Hello, friends, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Justin, a.k.a. Just Tries, and we're always talking vulnerability, learning, and growth mindset. No sponsors just yet, so go to justkeeplearning.ca for coaching and content geared toward helping you not just set goals, but achieve them too. We have a goal to help millions of people be lifelong learners and get their ambitions off the ground. So be sure to hit us up and let us know how we can help. Our guest today has gone full speed into the world of social media and online business. She has started companies, built online coaching programs, and is an expert in the world of modern marketing, brand building, and sales. She is a wonderful person to collaborate with when it comes to lifelong learning and careers. In fact, she has followed her passions to go into nursing, has worked with some of the biggest actors during her time in Hollywood, taught herself how to build an app company, and works in the fitness industry too. Like all of our guests, most importantly, she is a great example of growth mindset and the ebb and flow of career choices while being a good person along the way. We talked about Hollywood fame, entrepreneurship versus having bosses, and why it's so important to remember that we have one life. Please welcome to episode six of The Learned Podcast, Ali Jones. In terms of introducing yourself, if you were going into speak at, let's say, a high school business class and you were telling them who you are and what do you do, what would you say to them? I do quite a few things, uh, but that my main focus right now is both developing a tech platform that is something people would use at a networking event where people could very easily share their business card information via email with everybody that they meet before they walk out of the door. But I'm also creating a community of entrepreneurs online where I facilitate a video course for them to go through uh, that helps any kind of new entrepreneurs that are introverted and really aspire to be speakers one day, learn how to not be so uncomfortable with self-promotion and learn how to build that confidence both in telling their story, but in a way that's actually impactful and authentic to who they are without having to pretend to be somebody that they're not and use that to their marketing advantage when it comes to personal branding and social media and presenting themselves on stage. Have you always been interested in business? No. (laughs) I wanted to be an actress when I was uh, in high school. I was in professional theater and I I wanted my mom, I was raised by a single mom and nursing was like the the ideal career choice that she wanted me to go to. And in Lafayette, Louisiana, where I'm from, we have a really good nursing school. It's like one of the top in the nation. So it made sense. I could go to school for nursing, be a travel nurse, make a ton of money, work three days a week, and then just be an actress. And, you know, so that if my actress career failed, then I could still have a thriving nursing career. But the problem with that was I got an internship in the pediatrics floor of Women's and Children's Hospital, which was a fantastic hospital to work for. But I I don't have the, the heart for it. I got out, I was like three years in, into my nursing degree. And I was like, I can't, I can't do this. And I remember going home to my mom, just thinking that she was going to be so against it, right? Because I had worked so hard. I went to like this high school where I did a, like this medical academy thing. So I had this huge educational background in everything related to going into nursing. And I was like, I don't want to do this. And she's like, have you talked to your advisors yet? And I was like, no. And she was like, well, go talk to them and see what they say first. And I was like, okay. So I went to my advisors and all of my advisors were like, no, if you don't want to be here, like get out now. It's going to be so much harder next year. Your grades, like you have to want this so bad. This school is so hard. And then when you actually get into the field, it's going to be even harder. There's so much that you learn outside of school when you're actually on the floor. And if your heart's not 100% in this, you need to get out now and go find what it is that your heart is into. And and going back home to tell my mom that I knew she was going to be angry or disappointed. And I was one of those people pleasers where I always wanted, you know, I was like the good child. And um, so I felt like I always had to live up to that. And 
And she supported me. She was like, well, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, I really want to do this actress thing or at least something in film. And I heard that there's a film school in New Orleans. And she was like, okay, well, you've made great grades. You tried, like you gave it your best. And I think three years is more than enough of an effort. And you know what, who am I to stop you? And it's not too far away to where I can't come and visit you. I was like, okay, thank you. And I left and I never went back. I ended up staying in New Orleans. Um, I got very fortunate. The film industry blew up like the moment that I graduated. The tax incentive changed and everybody and their mom was coming to, to film in New Orleans. So I got a job right out of school. I did really well. I climbed the ladder really fast and it was fantastic. But it was so many hours and I just felt like I had worked so hard for this one thing, changed my mind, and then went to school for something else and then got a great job. And I had like this dream job that everybody like wanted, but I was working 14 to 17 hour days, five to six days a week. And it just wasn't what I thought it was. And I was as high as I could get up in the ladder and I still wasn't making the kind of money that I dreamed of making. And I wasn't an actress because I, once I actually got on my first film, I discovered that that's not the kind of life I wanted to live once I actually saw what real celebrities go through. Um, And so I just became like this amazing executive assistant to, you know, producers, directors, and the celebrities that came on the film, but I wasn't happy. And when I finally got married and we were thinking about starting our family and settling down, I knew that I didn't want to continue in that career, but I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. But we had saved enough money to where I could just kind of not do anything for a while. And um, I didn't necessarily say I wasn't going back. I, I wasn't really vocal about it because I wasn't really sure what I wanted. But then I, I got an idea for my tech platform, and that kind of gave me the courage to like chase this new idea yet again of something that I had no educational background in, that I had no experience in, that I had no mentors for. No, I was the first person in my family to graduate college. So it wasn't like I had a bunch of wealthy people hanging around to like invest in my business for me. Um, And then I just went out and asked my community members. I just started Googling people on the internet of like, who's tech in New Orleans and I was like, hey, I've got these really great administrative assistant skills, I'm an amazing assistant. Um, I'm even a good virtual assistant if you want. Can you mentor me in exchange for me helping you out? And they're like, sure, we'd love that. And um, they're like, we need more, more women in tech. And we would happy to foster that, whether or not you want to use your administrative skills or not to help us out. Like, we're here for you. And that was like the first stepping stone into seeing what business was like and they let me go and visit these CEO roundtables in New Orleans and Baton Rouge and take all the notes. And these were like the big dogs in Louisiana, like that were making millions of dollars in profit at the end of the year. That was just so interesting to me. And that's when I really started to fall in love with just business and marketing and all of those fundamentals. And it, it went from there. That's pretty neat in terms of showing examples of so many different versions of careers and ideas, but definitely the overarching thing is the confidence to jump into what you want to do next. How important is it to kind of follow those dreams in your opinion? I mean, you just get the one life. Whatever's in your head today of of you standing right here on this planet is what you've got. And if you're not living the life that you wanted, then you're going to resent everybody else for it and take it out on yourself, on the people you love. Um, and you're just going to be one of those really angry people that are just making the world a terrible place because you're so miserable. So you really have to just go for it because you might fall on your face and you might screw up and you probably are going to embarrass yourself and learn a few lessons the hard way. But it's better to have tried and failed than to have never even attempted it at all. You'll be in the exact same spot. So why not go for the option that there's a 50% chance you might, you might get what you want. It's like you have two options. You can either say that you tried and have a chance of getting that success, or you can be in the exact same place that you already are and never actually get anywhere or do anything with the life that you really want. This is your one chance And so if we could just look at those experiences a little bit, just things that you learned from each, uh, what's something that you really learned from your career in nursing that helps you today? You've got to 
really do what you're good at, what you feel like you're good at. And I never felt like I was good at nursing. I mean, I was just a tech. I was, you know, just delivering meal trays to people and and all of that. But the, the nurses that did really well there, or even the techs that did really well there, they just had this innate nature of of knowing how to nurture these people through these super traumatic times. Cause anybody that was on the floor with us was basically living there in the hospital, like a hotel. And you've got to have that kind of emotional lioness about you to go through that. And in my, in my career in film, um, that was the longest career that I've ever done. That was seven years of an experience. And I was, what I gained from that, I really saw a difference in that shift of what I wasn't good at at nursing. I was really good at when it came to managing people and reading people and being able to understand those little undertone cues of what they needed that they weren't saying. And even though it sounds like that might be the same thing of what you need to do in nursing, it's it's a different environment, you know. And now when it comes to business, I'm still it's still that same thing of, you know, coaching people to have that same understanding of what they need and um, helping them, encouraging them to tell stories about themselves in a way that really represents who they're comfortable with being and not feeling like, like they have to be this super hyped up version or personality of what they are. And it's like being a therapist and a teacher all in the same breath. Um, I always wanted to be a therapist and I always wanted to be a teacher, but I knew I didn't want to be a teacher or just a therapist. And I'm really happy that all of my journey led me here and I needed to go through that experience to be exactly who I am today, to be able to help the people that I help today. Within the world of acting specifically and film, um, you had a few transitions in there in terms of your role. How did you know that it was time to go from acting into more of the business side of film? My very first set. Um, It was an internship. It was a big movie that was being filmed down here. I mean, I say big. It was a small budget. It was just like 11 million. And most of the movies that I work on are in like the hundreds of millions. But um, it was Dwayne Johnson and he, The Rock. And he was, I was like assigned to him to kind of like give him his cue for the scene. And it was probably like a three hour process. It was a really long shoot that day. And he is the kindest person in the entire universe. And he was constantly stopping set to like go and manage, you know, celebrityness of, you know, signing autographs. And every time we go take a bathroom break, he'd always give somebody the time of day and which is what you're supposed to do. You know, not, not saying that he did the wrong thing. Like he's just that nice of a person and loves his fans so much. And if you ask for his attention and time, he will 100% devote it to you, even at the cost of our film. (laughs) We, um, these people were animals treating them like, like they lived in a zoo and they were just doing the most insane things to try and just get a picture of these kids. And they were kids. That's, they, they just wanted to hang out and party and do their art and, you know, be, a professional and, and just go enjoy their young lives. And they couldn't do any of that without just this huge scrutiny. Every, it was every waking hour of the day. And I was like, no, that's, that's not what I want. And I don't want to have to put on a show just to go to the bathroom, you know? And, and I, I don't know. I really fell in love with all the assistants that were on set. Um, not only like the PAs, like not the grunt work, but, you know, the, the executive assistants that were sitting in the tent and helping, you know, making those creative decisions with all the producers that were helping pick out the choices for scouting. And I don't know, it just felt like something I was meant to do, at least for the time being. Are there other mentors, whether celebrities or colleagues or other business leaders, people that you look up to in terms of mentorship or guidance? My... um very first business coach, Vanessa Lau, she was one of the first people that I ever saw that was doing something different. Um, especially in the coaching world, there's so much like join my e-course, you know, watch my videos. And then there's like zero accountability and there's a huge disconnect, you know, especially when that person is semi-famous or like trending on some sort of, you know, she's got like 
a gajillion thousand followers. So it was really eye-opening whenever I took her course. Um, she had like a private Facebook group for the course that all of her students are enrolled in. And people were, you know, commenting and stuff in the group, having questions. And even though it was like the same questions over and over again, she was right there, like commenting and coaching and not just like a one little one-liner, like multiple paragraph sections and not being like, go watch my video or go watch this, or here's this resource, but just being like, here's my one-on-one coaching advice for your particular situation in this particular moment. And here's more resources. And here's this other video I did. And, and here are other posts where I answered the same question in a different way for somebody else. And she really changed the market when it came to even Instagram. People are constantly reaching out to her for questions, you know, like people that are just nobodies and she'll send them like a voice note back. And I'll see people reposting that all the time. Like, I can't believe she actually talked to me. And it was her. It wasn't like some assistant or some bot. It was like her, her voice reaching out, giving me support. And I was like, that's, that's really cool. Regardless of like how amazing her course was, like just the fact that she shows up and she's actually battling with that because for her to really scale her business, she has to kind of step back from that. And that's, you know, what a lot of like the people that are 10 steps ahead of her are telling her to do, like, look, you got to like just hire a bigger team and you got to not be so much like invested with your students because that's taking up so much of your time and you need to be working less and blah, 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 blah. So like, I get it. But at the same time, that's what's making her unique and different and standing out in the coaching industry. What about people who don't know who you are, whether you have a famous book from an author or someone you watch on YouTube whose content that you find motivating? I really love Rachel Cargill. Uh, She's basically like an educator. She goes and gives talks to school systems and things. Um, It's like she made showing up authentically as her a trend itself, (laughs) all the way from like body image to what she was talking about is like trending today um, when it comes to like helping white women unpack their, their privilege and, you know, all that stuff. But before, like, that wasn't something that, you know, women were seeking out information to learn about. And she would just get all these comments 24-7 about, well, blah, 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 you sound so angry and blah, 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 and we need to just come together. And she never once resorted to the level that they were at. You know, she always stayed real. I've admired her from the very beginning. I always appreciate when we share resources or other people's stuff because I hadn't heard of her. So I'll definitely look it up. In terms of learning from people, we've talked a lot already about education and dreaming and trying and schools. It's always neat when that happens early on in a conversation because that's kind of the overall themes of this podcast. When we think of learning and go kind of all the way back to school, whether it's elementary school or high school, what was that experience like? Uh, I was in like the honors program and some AP stuff. So I always felt like, like I was doing okay, but I always failed really terribly at math. And even though I was making great grades and everything else, Um, And I was in advanced courses when it came to math. I felt so dumb. (laughs) Um, I had dyscalculia, but I didn't even know what that was back then. That's not something I even knew I had until about a year ago. I had tutors. When I was in college, especially, um, I was at the, they have like, you know, the free tutoring sessions where you can go and people will help you with your homework. I was there every single day with my math homework. And it got to the point to like, When I was in college, I would go up to my professors and say like, hey, I don't know what's wrong with me, but there's something wrong with me. And I, I just want you to know now, like I need every bonus, like option that there is to make extra points. I want every extra project. If you're ever doing any kind of like side teaching gig, like please send me that resource. I'm happy to turn in any extra homework to show like my effort, but more often than not, like I'm not going to pass this class. And, um. That was really, I think it's, it's hard when you know something's wrong with you, but you don't know what it is. And I didn't even know, like, what would, like, how do people go and get tested for any kind of, like, disability or or whatever. And um, I feel like that really held me back in so many ways um, for, like, my self-confidence. Because it's one thing to just know that you have a problem, but it's another, like when you know what it is, so you can find a remedy to it. Now I know that it's, it's 
something that I can, can get over. And in school, it's, you know, grades always try to like determine your worth, but I think it's really your, your perseverance to get over whatever systemic system is set up for you. As long as you can still achieve, like you can have the worst grades in school or like not even finish school, but if you can still find value in learning some sort of skill, whether or not it's a business skill, a marketing skill, or like a physical skill like welding, as long as you can still do something that you feel proud of, that's going to give you all the confidence you need that grades can never do because grades aren't real life. And so obviously that was a pretty big struggle for you. I think uh, I was going to ask if there were tips or things that you would give to someone else going through a similar struggle that maybe you wish you had? Is there anything that stands out? I would say that I wish I had quit trying to blame somebody else for it. Uh, Regardless of if there is somebody to blame, at the end of the day, you're the only person that can really fix it. Even if it's like a bad relationship or something, you know, um, I was in one for four years by choice because it was easy, you know, and, um, you know, same thing for you know, school and and growing up and um, whether or not you get into the college of your dreams or it's just, it's, it's up to you to decide where you're going to go next. Cause 75% of the time, you're not going to get the outcome that you were hoping for, but rare chance you're going to get landed into a, a place like you were, I don't know, like fate, destiny. I don't know. I do kind of feel like you're, you always push yourself to be somewhere where you were meant to learn a specific lesson. I feel like that's how you just kind of have to look at it and understand that it was important for you to go through that because it made you more self-aware or a better person. You can choose to continue to repeat some awful process or you can find a way to get through it. Do you wish that you had started in the business world younger? I don't know. I mean, I feel like timing is everything and I don't think I would have been um, because I'd never been introduced to business before. Um, so I, I don't think I would have had the, the wherewithal. Um, but I feel like the moment I started reading business books and the moment I started listening to business podcasts, I was listening to Sophia Amoruso's uh, Girl Boss podcast. And that's really the only thing that gave me the courage to be like, I'm going to just do this. Like I'm going to do the damn thing. And if I fail, then whatever, I'm not going to cry about it because 98% of businesses fail. So, you know, I'm not going to cry a river and at least I tried. And, um, I just loved, she always brings on people that are, um, you know, she'll ask them what their first job was. And I think her first job was working at Subway and just really shows, you know, everybody starts somewhere. And everybody has to, nobody's just born like a, a C, well, some people are born a CEO, but, you know, nobody's born with those skills and they have to be learned. Um, there was this really great book that I read called How to Win Friends and Influence People. It's like a super old book, but you never, you would never even know because everything still applies. And um, I feel like that's what made me understand the importance of relationships in business rather than you know, I thought being like a, a business major or something was full of like e-commerce or, um, you know, econ and things like that. But the more business courses that I take now, the more I realize it just has to do with people and people skills and customer service at the end of the day is going to win over anything else and is also going to cost you if you don't have it. So I don't know. I feel like when you start to immerse yourself into what those things are, they're not so strange and scary and foreign, then you can really tackle it. And really all it takes is a book or a podcast. It doesn't have to be some formal education and something, whatever gives you the the competency to, to gain that confidence. Cause that's all confidence is. It's just being really comfortable with where you are in your journey and being really competent in what it is you're very good at doing and what you're not so good at doing and what you need to either hire somebody else to do or figure a way around it. Such a fascinating thing that the wisdom and uh, intelligence around things like business or learning, if something's true at one point, it's probably true pretty well forever, those universal principles. So um, are there other resources before we go into your specific 
kind of journey around businesses, other books or podcasts or other things that come to mind in terms of helping you get into that mode? I know I've already mentioned Vanessa Lau, but she's got this amazing YouTube channel and she's got an amazing podcast that she just started as well that I wish I had had sooner in my life because um, she speaks to all the lessons that I've learned the hard way. <laughs> if I had just listened to her podcast, I would have learned a lot better. But I also loved um, Traction. Yeah, it's called Traction. I've read it three or four times. And even though I originally got it because I thought it was for tech startups, it's the core foundation of marketing. Um, of my education on what are, what is marketing? What are the different types of marketing? What's like the psychology behind those marketing things? Um, Sabri Subri, he also makes a really great book called Sell Like Crazy. And I find anything that really focuses on the psychology behind marketing is always the most eye-opening book because you, any algorithm or, you know, tactic, any five-step system or any three-step, two-step funnel or whatever is always going to be uh, obsolete. You know, there's always going to be some new trend. Uh, SEO, you know, it used to be 350 words minimum and now it's 2,000 within just a couple of years. So any kind of marketing book that just talks about like that plan or strategy of like, here's these steps and isn't focusing on like the psychology behind what makes people buy, what turns people off, what turns them on, what makes them love a brand, what makes them become a fan, what makes them advocate for a business, um, what makes your your ad annoying and what makes it informative and helpful. Like those kinds of books um, are really, and podcasts, anything that shows just the underlying side besides trying to sell you some system is always going to be the best choice at the end of the day for education. On the idea of achieving your dreams and kind of moving on from other people's content to your own, you have the tech startup and then I know you do some coaching, some teaching. So maybe let's start with the tech piece. If you could just describe again what the tech product that you've developed is. Yeah, it's a progressive web app. So that just means it's something you don't have to download from your store. You can just type in the website and it'll look and function like an app, but you won't have to download it. And it allows you to put all your business card information into like a QR code. And so when you're out and about at a networking event, um, you can either have it on your business card or on your phone, on the screen or wherever you want. On the, If you're giving a huge presentation, you can have it on your slide. And it allows you to follow up uh, via email with everybody you meet in the room or anybody that sees that code before even walking out of the door. So that was a really hard thing for me when I was um, at tech events was just how do I how do I like take these 50 million business cards and email all these people? Like, I just don't have the time or energy for that. So that's really where that came from. And, um, and that's how I learned, you know, the analytics and tracking and all that jazz. It's always interesting that any good idea or bad idea, but business ideas come from that idea of problem leading what solution and um, sounds like you have that right in this case in terms of if somebody's never started an app or um, is listening to this and just thinking oh my god that sounds like a cool idea but I wouldn't know where to begin how does somebody go from just having that idea at the conference to actually developing it like what's the process have uh, for me I know it sounds silly but I am like a junkie for free webinars and there was one day I guess I'd been doing enough Google searching that, you know, the ad got me. It was like, okay, we need to show this ad to this girl. She's obviously trying to develop something. And it was, uh, God, I have no idea what her name is, but it was some webinar she was offering of like, I'll teach you how to build your app with no coding background and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, I got 45 minutes. It's free. I'll bite. Sure. I was really good at like not getting hooked on like the coaching pitch at the end. Cause that's, that's what it is. You know, they sell a good game and then they want you to join their coaching program. And, you know, uh, I had to watch a lot of free webinars and tell myself like, no, Allie, you don't have $4,000 to invest in something right now. <laughs> but if you can get through that and just listen to the webinars, like the advice out there is gold. They don't tell you how they'll tell you what you got to do. You got to figure it out on your own, but four or five YouTube videos, you can figure it out. And, um, for me, I watched hers and she recommended bubble.is and that's like a, 
a drag and drop platform where you can basically build anything you want to build tech wise. Um, you just have to learn how to use their platform, which is a lot easier than learning how to code. Um, it took me about four months to get like an MVP up and running a, a minimum viable product, which is, you know, what they consider in the business world. Like what is the most basic version of your website or app or whatever it is you want to develop um, that wouldn't cost anybody any money, see if people engage with it and use it. And then you can invest money into like developing the, the bigger app. And um, so that's what I did. I learned bubble that is, and I spent four months to figure out how to develop it. And there was a huge forum uh, within the website of a community of people that are just asking and answering questions like nonstop. So anytime I had a question, there was a ton of people on there that would like respond in two seconds. Like, Oh, uh, that's yada, yada, yada API that totally exists here. This is how you do that. And it's, it's definitely an endeavor, but you know, it's, do I spend four months learning how to build something myself or do I sell the majority of my company to somebody that doesn't really care for to be able to pay three engineers to spend nine months to develop my tech app, my um, app that I wanted to develop and spend $500,000 and be in the red for X amount of time when Bubble was free and I didn't have to worry about, you know, trying to invest anything else other than my time. I didn't have money to invest, but I had time to invest. And so I think that's what you just kind of have to take a good gauge on of what do you have to sacrifice and being able to do it in a time that isn't costing you burnout. Yeah. I think a lot of people trying to find the balance between hustle hard and take care of yourself um, can be a big struggle on that note. Are there any suggestions that you have for people who are maybe struggling with that tension of like, I need to pour 24 hours a day into this idea? Yeah. Um, being the daughter of a single mom, you know, being a workaholic was always considered a, a great, feature to have. <laughs> um, but uh, it's definitely the the one thing that's caused me the most unhappiness in my life. And I mean, you don't really know how to battle it at first, but if you feel like whenever you're like resting or just whenever you're not working, if you feel like you're guilty, like you should be working, but then anytime you're working, you feel guilty, like you should be resting then you know that there's a, a disconnect and a problem. And um, I was living that my whole life until I was December of last of this past year. Um, and I just started, I know it sounds so simple, but I started to recognize that I was taking care of everybody else but me. I knew I needed to take a break, but that I couldn't, like my business couldn't afford to take a break. I started working out at night it would like help me. It was just 20 minutes. I'd follow somebody on YouTube and just do whatever little workout that they had. And that would make me really tired and exhausted, but it would like get out all of the angst and frustration I had on the day. And those endorphins are real. You know, I really was feeling like literally happy whenever I was working out, even though I didn't want to in the beginning. And then I'd be so sweaty and gross. I didn't want to get in bed. So I'd take the shower and I would like light a candle and, and I still do it. It's, uh, I call it my spa shower and it's like a ritual now I have to do it. And it's not working out to like be thin or whatever. I mean, it's helped, but like, it's cleared up my skin. It's, it's given me time to like get out all of that anxiety and stress. And then when I go and shower, it feels like I'm just washing it all off. It's like I sweat it out and then you got to wash it all off. And by having like that instrumental spa music, it like really makes me think and all the things that I didn't get a chance to think about during the day, I get to think about while I'm in the shower. I used to just lie awake in the bed and stare into the darkness and think about all the things I still needed to do. And just was counting the hours on my hand, be like, okay, I'm going to get four hours of sleep. And as soon as I wake up, I need to do X, I need to do Y, I need to do Z. And instead, I started like getting all of that out in the shower. So that by the time I hit the bed, I'm exhausted, I'm tired, and my head is centered and focused. I know what I need to do. I know how many hours I'm getting asleep, and I would fall asleep the moment my head would hit the pillow. And after about two weeks of doing that, my business started thriving. 
Yeah, that's great. I always draw a triangle for people if I'm supporting them and the bottom of that triangle is self-care and then, and then you move on to caring for others and then you can add uh, business and hobbies on top of that. Um, just really taking care of those things first, but they're different for everybody. And uh, that's what's neat is to hear kind of the example that can be specific. When you say that your business started thriving, was that more the app or like the coaching that you do? What parts of that started taking off? The coaching part is what really started to take off because it was yet again, something new that I was doing. Um, and which also is kind of a battle, you know, you're, you're just like, Oh my God, my friends and family are going to be so they're going to think I'm wishy-washy or that I can't commit to anything. Or like I, for the longest time, I thought that I couldn't go after the coaching thing until I had like a successful app under my belt to be like, yeah, I did this thing. And I'm this super awesome person when when I started getting, you know, like I mentioned before, when you get confident about like where you are in your journey and you're okay with it, then, then people can help you. It's like, nobody can help you get to that next level in your business unless you're honest about where it is you need to get and what you need to get there. Nobody can help. They will help you if you tell them how, and if you're honest, but if you're pretending like you're already there and you've already quote unquote made it, then Obviously, no one's going to lift a finger to try and help you or get you connected or anything like that because you obviously don't need their help and you're you're too cool. So um, whenever I started getting more comfortable with where I was and I started taking better care of myself, um, I just I was comfortable with asking for help. I was comfortable with um, shutting the everything down. Like I stopped taking calls on the weekends. Um, a huge part of my job is, is obviously networking. So I have to get on a lot of calls with people from like networking apps and LinkedIn, and I'm constantly going that route. So I, I was saying that I was thriving because my, my calls were ending on such great notes. Like people would be like, I just loved meeting you. I loved talking to you so much. And I just, you know, I just want to help support you. Like, what can I do? Can I share your social media? Like, I just, I love your passion and your blah, 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 blah. And before, like I would get off a call and not to say that the calls would go bad, but they didn't have that kind of reaction. I was finding the steps that I needed and I was telling people who I needed to get connected with and what I needed specifically from them in order to help me besides becoming a customer or a referral. You only get if you ask kind of thing. I think the power of asking can be really important. What exactly do you focus on as a coach? I know that emotional intelligence is something that you've spoken a lot about. You have so many different areas of strength. What do you offer in terms of coaching? Uh, when it comes to coaching, uh, I really focus on helping people that are just so uncomfortable with sharing their story. Um they don't like to open up around strangers and um, I help them really find ways to be able to tell their story, whether or not it's on a networking call, on social media content, or on stage at some huge event in front of a bunch of strangers. Um, I help them get, get their marketing down and get their branding down. We go from not posting anything on social media at all to having a business journal and understanding, you know, what it is that you have, like that's magical in your brain that people need to see to be able to build, you know, specifically who are you helping best and why, and like ultimately what's your, your, your whole purpose of waking up every single day and doing that job. And what is the, the experience of your customer, like paint us a picture and tell us the story of that customer journey from, you know, not knowing anything about your product or service to that inciting moment of, you know, the obstacles where they achieve that character arc journey of getting your your product or service, you know, really um, flourishing with it. Tell, give us that POV so that if we aren't your ideal customer, that we can recognize who within our friends and family circle is and be able to recommend you. And by showing in all of your marketing and everything, who that customer is and what everything uh, feels like to experience your product and your services, you're showcasing a shared experience. And that's a lot easier to do and to build relationships with to, to not sell 
it's like the art of selling without selling of making people extremely competent in what it is that you do so that they can go off and be advocates of your business for you. I teach you how to set those objectives and to stick to them. Like, okay, if I'm going somewhere, if I'm jumping on a call, if I'm getting on a stage or if I'm on social media, if I'm not meeting my ideal customer, then who else do I need to meet in order to still achieve, you know, my business goals, my networking goals? How do I make that very clear in a way that's not selfish or um, egotistical? How do I very clearly showcase what it is I'm good and passionate about doing? How do I tell my story? Um, I teach people all the skills that, I mean, all the tools that go into those skill sets to how to streamline their their process of everything, um, of their presentation tools and all that jazz, uh, and then how to really understand the data behind what's making them network really well and what's working well in their marketing, where they should be focusing their time on which networking platform, and then what to do with that data. How do you, you know, take all those spreadsheets and all that information and turn that into some sort of strategy? So rather than teaching them this one size fits all system. I teach them a system that they can plug in their own things and build a strategy for their marketing. I think that probably helps a lot of people. And I know that there's a lot of context and individualization when it comes to coaching, but I'm curious, is there an overarching biggest, most common problem that you see clients have? They just don't know how to get started. So they end up not posting anything at all. And I think that the, or they feel like they're not important enough yet, or like they don't have enough credibility to be able to say that they're an expert in something. Um, but when you real, you have to realize like there's different levels of expertise, you know, you don't have to just have some sort of degree or certification to be an expert. Um, you can also have life experience that makes you an expert in something, you know, that falling down on your face several times in a row for three years, that definitely gives you credit to knowing what not to do and how to tell somebody to avoid to do the things that you did wrong. You don't have to always worry about being at like the guru level. There's tons of people that are willing to pay you that are just like five steps behind you. You know, even if you're just starting out, there's so many people that don't even know how to get started. And the simple fact that you got started is all the encouragement that they need. So I don't know. Their biggest problem is just kind of like that self-importance. They're so humble and they're so like selfless and they just want to motivate and help other people, but they fail to see their, their own value and their own self-worth. One thing that's really neat is that even though it's a business, social media, networking, uh, emotional intelligence focus, the byproduct is arguably more important if it really boosts confidence and, and is a life-changing thing for them. Just to look at the kind of technical piece of building a coaching business, let's say, because I know listeners will be interested in that. Do you offer you know, one-time coaching or is it a package or what kind of system have you set up to support people? Right now, I have four different types of services. I have just a free 30-minute call where um, I don't do any research ahead of time. I just focus on whatever it is you want me to look at on the call specifically, like your your LinkedIn profile. I pretty much do a big scope of what your visibility is and tell you whether or not your message is coming across clearly. Um, I let you give me your pitch and tell you whether or not you know, it's making a good impression and what you should try to consider changing. And then I give you like the most common eight action steps that I normally tell people that do the paid version of the service. And then, so then I have the paid version of the service where you get 45 minutes of my time. I've researched you for an hour beforehand. I go, I skim like the whole internet for you, like articles you've written, what's your SEO, all of your websites, your social media, everything. And then I give you slides that are like, what's really working well and need to keep doing what needs some major attention and then clear action steps that you need to take like right now to be able to implement all the things on the previous slides. Then you get a free 15 minute follow-up call after that, just kind of like check in and see what's working and what's not working and all that jazz. And then also I have the course itself that I've made, um, the Emotional Intelligence Network Academy that just really teaches you the science behind networking with emotional intelligence um, to stop pretending to be somebody that you're not, uh, introverts trying to be extroverts. And that course is a 
six module. It's all videos that you watch that have small tasks that are psychologically made to like help you open up and learn how to get that important feedback that you need in our private Facebook group that you have four months of free access to. So it's other people that are in your exact same shoes that, you know, have the same problems as you that are in the course with you. You know, they're doing all the same tasks as you. They, they're not trying to like hurt your feelings or anything. I even have to like bring everybody through like, okay, don't say this looks unprofessional. Like say the specific steps that they need to make it look professional. Like tell them to put their phone on a, on a tripod so that it doesn't have the Cloverfield effect. You know, like what are all the things that you can do? And then I have the one-on-one experience, which I'm just doing for a very limited amount of times. I don't want to do one-on-one for the rest of my life. Um, I'm just going to do 10 one-on-one seats for the first 10 people that take it for my course when I launch it. So you get the video course, the four months in the private Facebook group, and then you get eight one-on-one sessions with me, one before they start the course, and then one every week as they go through each module. So each module takes about a week to go through if you're taking forever, if you got like kids and a life. Um, And then one wrap-up session at the very end. I really want to do some sort of uh, mastermind in the future with people that have graduated the course and speakers and all that. One of the things that just continues to ring true of all these topics is that idea of just continual, never-ending learning. And I can appreciate that. In terms of getting guests to come in and teach, how do you go about that? Do you exchange value because you do a favor for them? Is this just part of your network or are these paid guests? How does that part work? I stalk the heck out of these people before even reaching out and um, make sure that they have like a good value system. I could care less whether or not they have a big audience. Um, I want to know, are they teaching something super valuable that the person that's taking my course, like where they are in their entrepreneurial journey, are they competent enough to be able to comprehend those products and services that that person has to offer? A lot of times it's even somebody that could be considered my competition. Um, They're doing something very similar to what I'm doing, but providing a different type of service that I'm not providing. Um, but instead of them being competition, um, I really respect them and love what they're doing. And I wouldn't want to do exactly what it is that they're doing. So it's a great way for me to be able to bring that other missing piece that my course doesn't provide and gives them an opportunity to plug their business. And then their their training is for free. They're, they don't get paid to come and be um, a guest expert. Um, it's just an exchange of audience eyeballs. Uh, they get all of my audience that is a niche target market fit for exactly the product or service that they've created for them. Um, and then it lives forever in the course. Um, anyone that takes my course has free access to all of the, the videos that happened before they came to the course for four months. So it's just kind of like a never ending billboard that just lasts forever um, that they always have access to, or at least for the four, four, first four months. And, um, and of course, you know, social media, email marketing, um, I mass blast them everywhere and just tell everyone to follow them and that they're doing really cool, amazing things. And it's all relevant to, you know, the people that are interested in my content anyway. So that idea of just all ships kind of rise together or teamwork in the business world is, is so important. It's an important point to hit home. Where do you host your courses? Is that easy for someone to get started in? Yes and no. Uh, there's a lot of really great platforms out there. I think it just depends on what your budget is, but also I think it's important to consider the overall value ladder of what you have in your business. So your value ladder, if anybody doesn't know what that is, it's like, what's your free offer at the very bottom rung? And then the top rung is like your top dollar offer. So I always knew that I wanted to build some sort of community and I'd want to host webinars and I wanted something that hooked up with my payment integration systems and my webinars. And that would also create all my landing pages for me and yada, 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 yada. Um, And I also wanted it to have a certain specific aesthetic look to it. And I went with Kajabi and Kajabi is probably the most expensive thing out there and probably wasn't like the smartest decision for starting an evergreen course right away. Um, Something like Podia is much more affordable, um, but I just didn't like the way it looked. This is the product that has all of the things that I need. And I think that's the most important thing of 
you know, don't go with whatever's trending or whatever's cheapest or whatever's most expensive. Just get whatever has all the features that you want, not only now, but also in the future that you know you're going to need to use. I've heard a lot of great things about Kajabi. That's what's cool about the B2B world is that we're always testing. We can always change. You can always go with what works. I've heard a lot of people say that they love Kajabi because of the all-in-one aspect. If you were to come guest teach for me and you met one of my students, um, let's say 18 years old, just getting out of recovery from addiction, I always use real life examples. And you, you meet this person and she just tells you that she doesn't know what she wants to do, but she doesn't want to have a boss. She wants to be her own boss. She knows she wants to be an entrepreneur, but she's young, just getting started. How would you coach her through if you had kind of like an hour to spend with her? I would tell her that it is not the life that she thinks it is. Um, There's such beauty in having a boss because it's somebody that is telling you what the steps are, you know, where to get the resources from. They're supporting the educational continuation of your, you know, journey of your career. Uh, There's so many beautiful things with having a boss for you. When you're your own boss, it's you that has to make yourself wake up early every morning and to do the work and to not get paid for it and to spend the sleepless hours of indecision of making very important decisions all on your own. You know, it takes a lot to to turn off the Netflix or to find the balance between family time and self-education time and self-care time and business time and all of the things that go into running your business. And if you feel like you're really good at having willpower and getting through whatever obstacle is thrown in your way, then you're going to kill it. But until you're ready to really commit to something, that's why they always say you really need to love what you do when you're an entrepreneur, just because it's something you need to like wake up thinking about how you can always make it better and like go to bed thinking about, I loved what I did today. I've made a lot of really great decisions today that I'm super proud of. And that's, that's really to me like success. And it can be hard. Even some of my like mentors and things, they hit this point of success where, you know, they, they got the car that they were dreaming of. They got the house finally that they were dreaming of. They got to go on the vacation that they were finally dreaming of. And like, once they've hit all those like success bucket list things, then they start finding a really hard time in being able to feel happy or successful because they no longer have that that thing in front of them that they're constantly chasing to try to feel that instant gratification once they finally claimed it. And it doesn't matter how many stages they speak on or how many lives they impact, just there's like this weird ceiling of what is success after you've succeeded. And so that's why, regardless of what you might see anywhere on social media, you really have to love what you're doing and find a way to keep it fresh and new and changing for you because it's always going to be hard. You are the only person that can help you get through it. And your partner doesn't have to have the vision. It's not up to your significant other or your family to like have the faith in your business. Um, It's you know, your business shouldn't depend on them being able to see the vision. Only you can see the vision because that's the life experience that you have. And that's your creative POV um, that has led you to be able to see it. They don't have that life experience. So it's hard for them to be able to, to share that. It doesn't discredit or devalue anything that you have that you're aspiring to. Yeah, I think that wisdom is something that anyone getting started could definitely use. In terms of kind of wrapping all these things we've talked a lot about a lot of stuff teaching coaching learning life and I do have a couple theme questions that I like to ask everyone but before we move on to those uh is there any last thoughts that uh, maybe something you've struggled with you didn't expect or a real highlight moment or just anything that you feel we would have left out if we don't touch on my emotional um, stability that I've had to gain through like patience and understanding with my three-year-old has taught me so much about my business. Uh, we're kind of following some like Montessori stuff. Montessori is about being like emotionally available for your child um, and disciplining them in a way that doesn't shame their emotions or make them, you know, question their emotional problem solving. It just encourages them. 
And learning how to do that for him taught me how to do that for myself. So if I was feeling self-doubt or if I was feeling anxious or if I was feeling angry, instead of trying to just be happy all the time, um, it taught me how to step into those things and ask myself, why am I feeling those things? And giving myself a space to feel those things and work that out um, instead of just pushing through and it'll get better one day when we're successful and we're rich and blah, 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 blah. And we'll be happy one day. Um, when I started just getting happy with where I am now, everything changed. I started feeling just happy. You know, I was happy to be a mom. I was happy to be a wife. I was happy to be stuck at home COVID-19 with my husband. I was happy to be working on an online business, you know, where even though I love being with people, I, I can't go to networking events anymore. Like I I still found a way. And um, I think that that's just finding that emotional self-awareness with yourself is such an um, important thing and allowing yourself to be angry. And especially with what's going on in the world today, you know, like we don't, it's okay to not have the answers and it's okay to not really be sure what to say. But as long as you're um, finding a way to help others and finding a way to help yourself, You'll be okay. It all rings so much of philosophers and the Buddha and the power of now and all these things. And so um, I think that's definitely such an important thing. I have a few questions that I ask everyone that kind of ties the episodes together. And the first question is, if you were to leave one piece of advice for the next generation, in this case, obviously, since you have a kid, it makes it easy to think about what's that one thing that you would want to leave behind for them? I would want to leave behind an education of how to save money. (laughs) I know that sounds so weird, but that's kind of the one thing that, um, you know, my family was never really good at doing. We were very good at living in the moment and um, thinking like, this is, this is it. We might as well spend it while we've got it or, you know, X, Y, and Z situation will happen and, and it'll be okay one day or one day it'll be this or one day it'll be that. And to really just learn how to um, create financial wealth for yourself, to just be constantly learning and constantly have something to fall back on. And what about something that you yourself are learning right now? Oh, so much. (laughs) Um, I am learning that everybody likes to sell you this like super sexy piece of cake uh, that it's, you know, this five-step program, this blah, blah, you just got to do X, Y, and Z, and it's going to come to you. And it's, it's a lot more than that. Whatever somebody else's success is, even if you do it the exact same way that they do it, doesn't guarantee you success. The only thing that's going to guarantee you success is just to keep trying and keep shifting and to keep altering what's not working and, and not blaming it on somebody else or something else or some system or some platform or, or something going on in society to just find a way, find a way to make it work. To flip it a little bit, what would be a question that you would ask me? My question for you is like, how are you sharing your story in a way that is allowing your customer or not your customer, but like your, your ideal audience to share that empathy with you. For me, it's my business journal. Um, I'm wondering, you know, what's that process for you? How do you create content that resonates with your own personal experience as well, besides the guests that you bring on? If I chose like the thing that I would love to do, it would be to have that YouTube channel. It's not really monetized beyond YouTube ad runs and that it would showcase vulnerability, growth mindset, and how to achieve your dreams, which is kind of like my dream pillar content is that like, look, I've never tried singing before, but I'm going to commit to it to two months and we'll see where we end up. And you can do it too. Sadly, when I speak of this idea, I can already see that some people who are like, wow, I really would love to sing or I really want to have a podcast or something like that. When I start showing them with this with this content, you see people who have had the idea or maybe even started and give up quickly start to realize, oh, crap, like Justin in a week or whatever is starting to gain on the progress I've made. Why is that? And like you asked, how do you model for people? To me, it's just showing good learning skills, which all revolve around growth mindset and vulnerability. The last question is always the infamous question of, 
you know, uh, why and where can people find you online? It is kind of the same everywhere. It's Ali Jones. Ali is spelled like Muhammad Ali, just A-L-I Jones. You can always jump on a free call with me for 30 minutes where I'm just happy to um, learn more about, you know, what you need help with because it really helps inspire um, content for me to put out on Instagram. Uh, you strike me as the person with the right amount of balance when it comes to uh, monetization, but supporting people with generosity. So thank you for taking the time to do this. No worries. Thank you. That was a fun one. As always, all of our guests are doing incredible things. It's hard to get all these amazing stories out to the world, so please do pass it along. Thank you to our guest, Allie. She's yet another outstanding role model for any of you thinking of pursuing your goals and passions. It's our goal to have this in every school in the world, so please do subscribe, leave a review, but most importantly, pass it on to someone who you think would benefit from the show. Until the next episode of the Learn Podcast, all the best, and remember, just keep learning.